Happy New Year, everyone. This podcast was recorded just before Christmas. Sammy Hernandez is a longtime horsewoman, trainer, and horse show judge headquartered at her Diamond Crest Stables in Bakersfield, California. Along with her husband, George, they have a ton of horsemanship experience teaching people and training horses. I really enjoy talking to both of them. Perhaps I can get George on the show in the future. You'd like him. While they deal with horses working at a higher level, they also work with novice and intermediate horses and riders too. They're very easy to talk to. Sammy invited me to her barn. I feel so at home with the dogs barking, chickens clucking, and horses nickering. At times, you might even hear the rain pounding on the metal roof. We set up a table right there in the alleyway, connected the mics and recorders, and sat around talking horses. I hope you enjoy it too. Welcome to the Woe Podcast about horses and horsemanship. I'm John Hare, and you found the place where we talk horses. Today, we're visiting Diamond Crest Enterprises with horse trainer, horsewoman, show judge, Sammy Hernandez. Welcome to the show, Sammy. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. We've got a rainy day here in Bakersfield, and we're out in your stable, so there might be some funny noises coming around. <laughs> We've got chickens walking around, and... This is the perfect environment, Sammy. I love it. I love being around the horses. Love it. Love it. Wouldn't do anything else. So have you been in Bakersfield all your life? I was born here. Yep. Tell us a little bit about your history with horses. I actually started really early. My sister rode horses, so I was exposed to horses as a baby, just from the get-go. And I showed with Red Candleberry when I was probably five years old. So I'd started in the horse show deal there a little bit. And then... We got exposed to everything. We did endurance racing. We did uh, high school rodeo, uh, roped some, went to the district finals. I mean, just uh, we got a taste of about everything. I'm glad I got that experience because then when I hit about 17, I went to work for Sam Daniels, painting horse trainer that was here in Bakersfield, and started doing the all-around paint horse industry, mm-hmm. which I stuck with that probably till I was in my 30s, possibly, did hunters, did the English, did the Western, did the showmanship, the trail, you know, basically everything for years and years. And then I just started going over to the reining. It just started to be, I just think it was so new and it was ready for the, it, it let the green people give a, give them a place to go to, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. It was, it was more important to me to see a place where they could jump off into this industry because everybody had a high end. Right. But there was no place for anybody to go. You know, to start, where do you start at? You know, do you go buy a $100,000 show horse to start? No, no, you know. So we've been doing rainers, I would say, probably 10 years, and then kind of went over to the um, ranch horse field, too, which is, you know, a new up-and-coming, it's gone crazy. Now, do you consider yourself a horse trainer or a people trainer? Both. Do you? Yeah, we do a whole lot of, I mean, we start them, we train them or I will buy them to match the riders. My passion is I love putting a team together mm-hmm. as far as matching a horse to a rider. You know, I, I do a little bit different thing than all the guys do. I mean, I had my day in the sunshine where I did the, you know, the futurity horses, and I right. wanted to be the star, you know. I would say I get more gratification in seeing my riders accomplish something on their horses. You know what I mean? And it's like, because it's just, it's a... It's something they'll carry with them from now on. I have 
people that have ridden with me for over 20 years. I've got second generation riders with me. Wow. It's really neat. And then a lot of my girls, I call my girls, they're not girls anymore. They're in their <laughs> 40s. But, you know, they're still a part of your life. I mean, because you you had something to do with their life and them learning and right. experiences that they'll always call back on. And I think, you know, I love my horses, don't get me wrong. But I learned over the years that the longevity of the rewards came from the people that I touched. And, you know right. what I mean? And that, that bond of watching them experience this and go want to do something is such a neat thing. You know what I mean? It, it's something that you just, I don't think you get it anywhere else. Right. You know what I mean? It, a horse deal to overcome some stuff we were talking about, one of the gals that we know older that started in this. Right. And to watch these guys overcome stuff that they never thought they would be faced with. And it's just something as ridiculous as learning to lope a horse. And then it's this personal battle. And, you know, it's not like you won the lottery, but it is. It feels like it someday. It does. Yeah. You know, it's a huge accomplishment. And you don't realize it until you start doing it. You know what I mean? So I would say I probably have more adults now at this point in my life than I do kids. Used to be kids were the things you did. And a lot of people, particularly in the last 10 years or so, a lot of the horse industry has older adults that are kind of getting that horse that they always wanted. Maybe their children have left the house or whatever, but now they're, they're very inexperienced. And of all the things that I do, that, that if I try to learn something at an advanced age, then it's just so much tougher. You know, when you're when you're 10, you have not only all the time to do something, but you'll do it over and over and over again. Exactly. Our, exactly. <laughs> at 67, my body doesn't hold up to that anymore. So. You know, and that's the thing I will say. I think that's kind of my niche in the horse industry. Uh-huh. Like I said, you know, my son's 21, and he's now at that point where he's wanting to ride futurity horses. He wants to be the big winner. I've been there. I understand it. I loved winning. Don't get me wrong. But I just think once you get to an age, you start understanding. I understand the emptiness syndrome. I understand when you get to a certain point where you're like, I remember being able to do this stuff. I'm like, what is wrong with my body? You know what I mean? Because you just, in your brain, right. we're still 21. That's Yeah, yeah. We're still 21. We should be able to do this. But I understand it. And although I do push these guys, and I do push them. And I understand there's a place you go to where you push and you watch and you say, okay, personally, this is where we're at. And I don't want you to be defeated, but we're going to climb this little hill. We're going to do it. I'm pushing and you're doing it. And you'd be amazed then at what happens to these guys. The, the younger kids, they're fun. You kick them around and you push them hard right. and they're just like, they bounce back and they go on. You right. know what I mean? Right. But it's a different thing with an adult. You don't want to get to a point where they say, hey, I'm paying for this and this yeah. is not fun. I could buy a boat and yeah. go out on the lake I could, and not I have... Could go to a vacation, you know. <laughs> it's got to be something that's still, you've got to make sure there's gratification. You know what I mean? And even if it's just as much as going to a little little backyard horse show and going around the first time and staying on pattern, I've done this a hundred a hundred years, I swear. Right. And I keep a bunch of horses in training and we go to the big shows. But you know what? It's just as important to find the places and go to little shows. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because... You've got to find a place you fit. You've got to find a place that you're fitting and you're going to accomplish something. And then you start to climb up the ladder and go to the next thing, go to the next thing. Right. I've talked a lot to people in this industry about that starting spot. 
And they're like, well, there's 4-H. I said, there isn't 4-H for the people that right. are over 60. <laughs> you know it. what I mean? We've got to have a place that, that gives them a chance right. to get hungry for this. You know what I mean? You're like, yeah, I got a horse and I ride in the river bottom. Well, okay, you can only do that so much and get so much. Once you start to want to challenge yourself, what are you going to do now? Yeah, now where do you go? Where do you go? Yeah. And so that's been my big push for everybody, especially like, you know, the ranch horse stuff. Uh Because you can ride anything in the ranch horse show. Right. You can ride a mule. You can ride a pony. You can ride a 25-year-old horse. Well, you've done it all. But it doesn't matter because it's broke is broke is broke. It's your skill level. It's you being able to go in with the other first-year green riders. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And... Hey, I'm going to be able to do this. I saw them all out there struggling just like I was. I'm going to be able to do this. Right. You're not going to go to the first paint horse show and say, I'm going to do Western Pleasure and go, oh, I'm going to go take a second out of my house. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's been one of my passions. That is the thing I love the very most. Yes, I train horses. I do. I do all of that. And that is, it's an excellent point because a lot of people go, that, that, that group that we were talking about, that demographic that got into horses late in, in life, they are just riding trail horses. They want to challenge themselves, so they might do a trail trial. But then they want to challenge themselves more. Exactly. And that's just the nature of building a relationship with my horse. Uh, Jesse, you, you know, you've done so well at the trail trial. Hey, can I can I take you up a notch? How good can you be? There you go. And the first thing you have to do is go, well, first, I got to be better, right? Because I have to know which buttons to push to kind of train Exactly. Them. Well, and it's just part of the deal. Uh, I got a gal here who's hasn't probably been the show pin in, I think she told me, 25 years. And I, she's got a nice horse, and she started riding again. And she came over and started you know, I started working with her, and she's like, I don't know if I want to show again. I just don't know if I can take that pressure, and I don't know. You know, she showed Appaloosa. She showed high end, you know, national level, but it's been years and years. And then she's like, I don't want to go out there and make a fool of myself. You know what I mean? It's just, I said, just go to one ranch horse show with us. Just go with us. I don't know. Maybe I'll go out there, and I'll just ride around. I'm not getting, making any promises. Right, right. So she got out there, and she realized that this is a group of people just like her that either have never done it or used to do it. Or watch their kids do it. And now they're out there and they're giving it a shot. And she's like, I'm going to go in. You know, I don't, I don't feel like I'm being looked out, looked down at. You know what I mean? And she won a buckle while we were there. All right. First good. time back in the very show. You know what cool, I mean? yeah. So she goes, she goes That's right. a good day. It was fun. No, it was. And she goes, it was fun. She goes, I didn't feel nervous at all. I didn't feel like I was being looked at funny. You know what I mean? Because everybody's there on the same you're all just out there challenging yourself to see what's going on. This is, was my second year of showing in the ranch riding. And one of the things that I noticed about the whole experience is that even if you read all the rules and you know everything, you just have to go to the shows and be there to kind of take everything in. Exactly. Without that experience, and that's why you, the, the smaller shows are so important, because I was always self-conscious. Well, everyone's going to think my horse is ill-behaved. Or my horse, <laughs> chickens are flattening around. <laughs> or the or my horse does something silly or disobedient. But if you look around, no one's watching you because everybody's concerned with their own horse. You know, and that's a, that's such a crack because kids that but but everybody nobody's watching you. Nobody cares. Which nobody's is, they're, watching they're you. They're all trying to pay attention to their own horse and get the most out of their own. Well, horse. and we laugh because it's hard for me. So I give a lot of clinics. George mm-hmm. and I do a lot of that and did a lot of judging. 
And it's sometimes hard for me to judge because usually I'm sitting there and I'm like, I want to, and I will, I will stop sometimes and say, okay, come here. <laughs> this is what you did. You've got to know what you did. I mean, and so I even have done a lot of that at those shows with Linda where I'm like, just give me a day where I get to tell them. Right. Let me have a day where I get to give them some, some, so they don't, not to teach, but just to say, this is why. Because people walk out and say, well, why? Why didn't I, why didn't I win? How are you going to learn if somebody doesn't tell you? Exactly. This is why I did what I did. So I do a lot of clinics because I enjoy, whether I'm right or wrong, if I'm the one judging, at least you know why I did what I did. Exactly. And that to me is more important. I mean, I'm online right now doing, I'm judging a horse show like in the Netherlands. Once I judge it, I get to go online, then they pay for a critique. So I actually get to then verbally critique their ride on the video. You know what I mean? So. You know, it's kind of holds your holds you accountable as a judge because mm-hmm. you've got to be able to back up what you did. But it also gives them more insight on what you saw and your reasoning. I, I just I like the teaching part of this. See, and that's how we first met. Is that I, I was going to the ranch riding shows and you judged us. Let's let's talk about that. Let's explore that a little bit because I have found the most valuable parts of that horse show was hanging around to the very end and you guys finally climb out of the judge's chair to turn in your sheets and you're very generous with your time and you're always pointing out the things that that riders were doing wrong and what what are some of those things that you notice almost every show that you just love if you could implant something in in a, a rider's head that that they that you see quite often people making a mistake I do spend a lot of time, and I, I, the reason I do is I've been in this town forever, and I would tell you we run it a little different out there because I probably be either trained or given lessons to 90% of the people out there or given them a clinic. Right. And we all understand that, and it's fine. Nobody gets a leeway, but it's, so I know everybody out there. I've either watched them as kids grow up or I've, you know what I mean? So I like spending the time afterwards. But one of the things that I always get told by a writer well, I was afraid to do that because I didn't think the judge would like it. <laughs> and I'm like, well, so you'd rather not do anything to fix what's happening as opposed to fix it and get something accomplished. Because if it's going bad, you're not getting a prize anyways. Right, right. So me as a judge, I'd much rather see you out there recognizing there is something, I'm going to stop here a minute and I'm going to fix this. Because... You've already done it wrong. Why not go ahead and fix it? As a judge, I appreciate that because I saw that you knew what was going on. You're not going to make any points, by going th- but I'm showing I can't do anything. I can't do I can't touch. I can't. I can't. I'm like, right, right. you're showing, but you're not getting anything done. So I would rather see somebody out there, and I don't mean beating up your horse. I mean just reckon horse looked off on the wrong lead. Well, I, I was afraid to fix it because I don't want to do it in front of the judge. You're already on the wrong lead. It doesn't matter. You're getting marked down. Yes, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I'd much rather see you recognize the issue. And so it's not even a particular thing. It's the fact that I always say this. We as judges, we're just a little kid that played with briar horses that led ponies just like you did. We are no different than anybody else. And I will tell you, we're human. We do make mistakes. We miss things. We are just like everybody else out there been in the same saddle you've been in doing the exact same thing with somebody else over the fence watching us. So we're no better than anybody else out there. And the nature of trying to improve when you show is always 
going to be the next show. Yeah. Uh, and if you don't take care of it at this show, you can't improve Mm-mm. in the next show. I mean, you know, I watch Run for the Million, and you see guys like Andrea Frapani, you know, yeah. he's going, well, I kind of screwed that up, but yeah. I'll get it better the next time, yes. you know? so. And Andre is one of the, I will say Andre is one of the $7 million writer there, but he will always say, I didn't write as good as I could. I missed this. I was a little bit lazy on that part. He doesn't say, oh, it just was the luck of the draw, just whatever. Right, right. He's a great horseman because he recognizes. And what are some of the other things that you look for as a judge? Well, there's a lot of stuff. There's just so much. I like to see, and I've always taught my kids this, we as judges like to see somebody who looks like they're enjoying their job. I like to see somebody who is out there not angry at their horse. I hate to see someone out there just jerking and, you know right. what I mean? They all need to be schooled, but there's a time and a place. And it's a lot easier to watch somebody school on something with a smile on their face, enjoying their job, than somebody's out there angry, doesn't act like they want to be there. Whatever goes on, I love somebody that will come and say, so what do you think? Right. If you're open you're open to anything, I mean, you can learn and you can, everybody has a different opinion. doesn't mean they're right. But you absorb all that stuff. I just like to see somebody who enjoys their horse, who enjoys being out there. I used to tell my kids that would go in, I said, you want the judge to watch you come in and say, man, I really want them to place. They just seem like they love being out here. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, you want right. to win. You want to win them over. Right. And I mean, what wins them over? It looks like they love their job. You know, we see horses at all all levels. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. we see them that are... I mean, 4-H level and below, and we see them that are world caliber that are out there. I just like to see people that like doing this thing like the rest of us do. We enjoy doing it. Enjoy your horses. Enjoy the, you know, enjoy the ride. Enjoy it. You pay, I always tell you pay for it. Right, yeah. If you're paying money for this, you better have fun. You know what I mean? Make it a good time. So that's the biggest thing to me. I like to talk to people when I'm out there and judging. I like to see people loving what they're doing. You know, if they mess up, a little laugh, that's a horse. What are you going to do? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a lot of stuff. In the ranch horse deal, everybody gets hung up on headsets. And, you know, do you like their heads higher? Do you like their heads lower? Do you like this? I like them to go how they want to go. Consistency is more important to me than anything else. If that horse is high-headed, let him stay high-headed. If he's low-headed, let him stay low-headed. Whatever he's comfortable doing, wherever he's at, he needs to stay there. If that's where that horse is going to be, that's consistency. You know what I'm saying? Consistency is more important than any part of showing. Right. Consistency. Right. You don't want them like running like a wild horse one and then slow way down. You know, head way up and they run, they lope and head on the ground when they walk. You want a horse very balanced, consistent, that too looks like he enjoys his job. Right. You yeah. know what I mean? That's your job. You know, make a pleasant horse. Uh, what about some of the basics? Like, like with ranch horses is very popular right now. And that's the, the thing that we have access to here in Bakersfield. Right. A lot of people say that you should be wearing a breast collar when you're doing ranch horse. Well, everybody kind of gets hung up on the details. And I will tell you, the first thing I tell anybody that shows ranch horse is know your rules. It is such a brand new venue that you're going to find different rules in AQHA, APHA, WRHA, SHOT. Every one of them, if you go through, have different requirements. Now, every club you go to also has different rules, and they're either governed by APHA or SHOT or whatever they're doing. So when you go there, make sure you know that club's rules. 
if they say, because uh, I think shot requires a back cinch, not a breast collar. I'm not sure. They're, I'd have to look back through and remind, remind myself which ones. There are some that require a back cinch. There are some that recommend a breast collar. I mean, there's a lot of keywords. Uh, hoof black is illegal. Braids and bands are illegal. I mean, there's certain things that are illegal you can't be used with. There are certain things, and they say, you know, they don't want a lot of silver and bling. So people are always like, oh, my gosh, if there's silver on my saddle, I'm going to get disqualified. That is not what it says. Right. What they're not wanting is the show horse mentality. The big saddles with, uh, all, I mean, with yeah, all the silver You don't want the it. pleasure horses sneaking in there and not looking like ranch horses. Right. That's, they're trying to set a guideline. They're not telling you. I always say silver isn't illegal. I mean, look back at the vaqueros. Are you kidding me? They were the most gaudy, silver-oriented, you know, I mean, their ornaments were crazy, and they were beautiful. So, I mean, no judge is going to say, oh, you have a silver or take a bid on, you're out. They're probably going to go over and wonder if you want to sell it after the horse show. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So, so it's a guideline, and you got to understand what parts are guidelines and what parts easy to get hung up on that really don't matter. You know, I mean, they really don't. I mean, you go out there, and you don't have a breast collar on, and you give me the best ride. The horse from the wrong lead with the breast collar isn't going to beat you. Right. You see what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. those are the those are the little things that are left over. You know what I mean? Those are the last things you look at unless they're illegal. You know, if that club says in our rules, you have to have a breast collar on, you have to have a back cinch on. That are the rules at our horse show. As a general rule, do most of the organizations allow for splint boots, and do you use them in the pleasure class? And? It depends on the rules again. It does, huh? It depends on the rules. I personally, like when we go to horse shows like the smaller ones that we were talking about here in town, we're very lenient on that show. And right. that was intentional when Linda started having those shows. I said, this is supposed to be for everybody to fit in and have a good time, you know what I mean, and learn and you know get a piece of this and see if they like it. We're not getting hung up on the insane stuff. Uh, most of them, you can wear boots and everything, and everybody's just got a little bit, a little bit of a different twist on it. I don't see why you'd have boots on in the pleasure class. You don't need it. But my thing is, in a little horse show like that, in two minutes you're going back in the, you're, right. you're running right through, and so I don't care. Put the boots on, leave them on all day because you're going to be going class to class to class. You're fine. So the takeaway from that is that in the, the small shows, look at those rules. But if you are improving and you want to move up to a bigger show. Make sure you check out Play by the, the rules. rules. And the only reason I bring up those little things is because reading rule books to me is like reading a software license oh. agreement. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, but the so. thing is, is if you're just like if you look up the shot rules, they're very minimal. Mm-hmm. And which has been kind of a challenge for us as judges. When Ranch first started, our guidelines were like five. There's five of them. There you go. You know, OK, so you get in a bunch of random judging because I like this and that one likes that. Our guidelines were so sparse Mm -hmm. and they were so up for interpretation that it made it made my job hard, you know, because, well, then I'm just going on my opinion. If it doesn't break that rule, that rule, now I'm going to what I like. Well, the next guy doesn't like it like that, you know, whatever. Right. And so our guidelines have gotten tighter. They've given us more to start judging on. But then I started finding that every association has a little different twist on it. They were changing it where all horses could be ridden two-handed in a bridle. Well, to me, really, come on. I mean, but if that's the rule, I've got to know that when I get, if it's if it's judged by this, if we're we're being overseen by these rules, I got to know that when I go there as a judge, and you got to know that as a participant. 
And so that's one of the biggest things I tell my people. Know your rules for the show you're showing. Now, you help. I was following you on Facebook, and you went to, was it the Gold Coast show that did, that you went with a lot of your people, and you go up there with them to coach them on site? Is that? Um, I went to Goldmine. Uh, Goldmine. Yeah, and I took Rainers because we were we just decided to do a raining thing there for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I was going to help manage it, so my people were going to help. Um, and I had hired some NRHA judges just so it happened we got rained out. And so when we got rained out, it kept delaying the horse show a day and a day. Well, then my judges I had hired had to go to the ranch horse pen. So then we decided to go ahead and have the raining. Well, then we didn't have a judge, so I was like, well, okay, so I'll judge. So I ended up having the judge, and then I had a friend, my guy that I met there that just got his NRHA card. He judged all the ones that were mine. <laughs> so it was, <laughs> it was insane, and Carolyn was so good. She's like, I'm giving every class winner a head stall. I mean, I don't care, because they, they hung out and waited. So it was, it was our, our entry into that, to opening that reigning deal. I personally don't get to go do a bunch of horse shows. I, I do have clients that, that train ranch with me. Uh-huh. Um, I do ride some of the ranch horses. I have just kind of laid the law out that I'm like, reining is our priority because 99% of my horses are rainers. And we go to that rain. We go to each of those associations. You know, I mean, we have a club that we go to and we go to all their horse shows. And then we go to Vegas twice and we go to the Arizona shows. So I have to commit myself to those horse shows. Now, if I'm free, you know what I mean? And I'm not judging. I will go ahead and attend a ranch horse show with these guys and go watch, you know. I mean, I don't have a problem with that. I do that, but I don't commit to that. My my commitment is my rainers. That's So you're going to the show with your raining students, right? Oh yeah. Okay, so that's kind of where I was going with this is I was interested to know what role you play in coaching them. And I know there's probably all different levels of this, but what you do at the show to keep them, you know, are you keeping them calm? Are you looking at their horse? Are you looking at them? What kind of uh, help do you provide there? It is everything. Uh, it's all of the above. I mean, we go as a training barn. We set up our whole group usually goes together. Uh-huh. I, everybody will tell you I run a different barn than most people run. Because I spent most of my time with youth kids and a whole barn of all-around horses and stuff. So most rainers ride most of the horses themselves. They show them most of themselves. And I, I, I appreciate that. That's fine. My son was helping me for a while, and my husband's part of the business whenever he's not driving trucks. So I aim more at teaching the riders to ride their horses. A lot of trainers, it is a hard job. Don't, don't get me wrong. And I, it doesn't pay off as quickly. Mm-hmm. because it's a lot easier if that trainer's riding that horse, showing that mm-hmm. horse, sets you on it, says, now, don't do anything, don't mess up anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? You just go out there and mess up the horse. Don't pull on it, don't do anything. I've got it tuned up, don't mess up anything. I'm the opposite. I may fix a problem, but you go get on your horse. Let's see what we got going on. My riders ride. They ride at least three days a week, usually. Like, again, I like to turn out riders. It's more satisfying to me. Absolutely. To end up with riders that can ride. I may not be the one on the top of the list. I was just having a discussion with uh, a friend of mine that sells saddles, a great guy, and he says, you have your own niche in this thing. And, and it, I do. And the other guys, it's a lot of work. A lot of guys don't want 10 kids and 10 amateurs. You know, it is, it is a job. And, I mean, you've got to be on top of everything that's happening. How is this rider doing? How are they mentally going on? Does this horse need to be tuned up a little bit? You know, what is... 
you got to know your product. you got to know your team. you got to know your rider and your horse. I, I appreciate what you're saying because I've been to clinics where my horse is doing something and the clinician will go, let me get on your horse, John, and go, I came here how to, I came here to learn how to do it myself because you're not, you're not coming, coming home with you're me. You're not coming home with me. Exactly. <laughs> right, you right. Really read my mind. Yes. No, I know exactly. You know, I mean, I appreciate that. And I, like I said, I've always been frowned on a little bit by the other trainers because they're like, I, that's, you know, you should be riding the horse. You should be doing this. You should be showing it. You should be that. That's fine. Everybody's got a place. But mm. I will tell you, I've also turned out quite a few riders that turned into horse trainers that have gone on and made this industry their profession also. I've got quite a few that went on to be jumper trainers. I've got a few that went on to the horse show industry. You know, my son, you know, he's up with Tracer Gilson right now. I mean, and he's an assistant trainer. So Very he's cool. gone on to this career. And I always say, horses come and go. And that one rider, you may watch them go through three or four horses. But what you give those kids will... Well, they'll go on with their life. You can't believe how many of my kids have gone on to ride in the equestrian team at colleges. Oh, wow. Who have gone on and got scholarships in their, uh-huh. you know, in their career that they've gone on with. Believe it or not, I, just the ability to start to learn things and to be able to make a horse do something that it, they're like, wow. I mean, it's, a, it's problem solving. Yeah. It's yeah. you problem solving. And you can deal with a horse. I mean, you apply that to how you deal with a human, how you deal with your classwork, how you deal with the discipline, the self-control, right. the, the mental challenge of saying, how do I get this? Not just, I didn't win. Here, fix that horse and make me win. Right, right. I tell people all the time, certain people like my program and certain people would never fit in. If you are the, I want to win at any cost, you will never like my program. Because I don't feel like you walk away with anything but a buckle. Right. And you can buy one of those for 125 bucks. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm just telling you. And so I just, I love watching that connection when that that person and that horse goes, I, like we were talking about Kelly, I, she can buy on both leads now. You have no idea. I mean, yeah. I train world caliber riders and horses. You would think we won a world title when she can lope both leads all around that arena and say, Pew. yeah, you know there what I mean? Yeah. And I'm like, you know, you got it. That's huge. Yeah. That's it's huge. A, it's an incredible feeling. And anyone who's had a horse that has figured out how to do something, get through a gate without letting it go or getting your horse yes. to back up something or, or crossing a river. When you get that feeling where you're connected with that horse, there's nothing like it. The days that that's the best that well, day and there if, is. And if people realize how much that applies Adults will realize it. Kids don't realize it when it's happening. Right. But if you watch them, I the little Palomino behind you, he, a little girl that rides him, McKenna, we were talking about, that's 11. And she's been with me for about four years now. And to watch where that kid, where she's at now, I mean, at 11 years old, what a talent she is. And that natural talent and that ability to be coached and put through challenging things. I've watched so many of those come up through my 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 program and watched them grow up through that, you know, and a lot of them have kids and functioning adults. I would say, my job was to make you a functioning adult. <laughs> I've had them when they were little. I had one 13-year-old that was my challenge in my life. And one day she came to me and we were doing the jumpers and she says, I'm not going to do that. You're crazy. It's, it's, it's stupid. I can't do it. And I said, yeah, you will. And we're going to do it. And so we kind of had a little standoff, you know. 
And she says to me, she says, I think you should make the horse do it. That's what my grandpa pays you for. <laughs> and I said, oh, honey, let's go talk to grandpa and see what he pays me for. <laughs> and she's like, what? So I took her over to grandpa and I said, I think we have a, a, a misunderstanding. I mean, this kid thinks I'm supposed to like cater to her. So she just sits up there and wins. Is that what we're here for? And he said, absolutely not. He says, I'm paying all this money. I hope one day when she hits 18, she'll just be a functioning adult. That's what I'm <laughs> praying for. And I thought, and she goes, what? <laughs> he said, do as you're told. That's what you're here for. I thought, thank you. Now, <laughs> let's continue. So, I don't know. I said, I always say I've raised a bunch of kids. I only had one, but I raised a bunch. <laughs> and it's just neat. I mean, I remember a lot of my horses, but I remember the challenges with those kids. And the challenges the adults had so much more. I mean, it's just it, to watch people go, oh, that's what you do to make them do that? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. I got this now. I didn't know it was that. Yay. You know what I mean? My horse is stupid. I've had, I can't get it to do it. It's, it just is, it's, it won't do it. Well, I don't know. Let's try this. Let's try that. We'll do a little of this, that. And, oh, my gosh. That was all? What is one thing or there may be a couple of things that you find that beginning horsemanship is the biggest hurdle for people to overcome. The biggest hurdle is wanting it right now. I see it. I hear it. I see them do it. I should be able to do it right now. Mm-hmm. No. No, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. I tell people all the time. I, it took me, a, I mean, I must be slow because it's taken me 45 years to learn all I've learned. Uh-huh. Why do you think you should learn in six months? Are you smarter than me? Are you that much smarter than me? Then in six months, you can learn what it's taken me 45. I am dumb. Right. You know what I mean? I said, that's very, very egotistical if you really think you should be able to do it that quick. And they're like, what? I was like, you should not. Your body shouldn't be able to do it. Your brain shouldn't be able to think it. It is a process. And it's, it's your brain and an animal's brain. Right. It's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. Take your time. I always say, enjoy the process. Because if you don't enjoy the process, you're wasting a lot of money. Yeah, exactly. A lot of money. So, I, yeah, it's more slow down. Now, I've noticed, that, and I, I was this way when I started, is that I wanted to kind of control my horse a lot with my hands at the beginning. And now I use a lot more of everything in combination, my hands, my legs, my seat. And I think that was a, a big hurdle for me, and still is, to make sure that I get my all my cues consistent for a particular maneuver. So like if I'm doing a spin, you know, how I, where my hand position is, where my leg, the timing of where I put my leg or how I move it or adjust my seat. And the timing of that was really challenging for me. And that is really important. One of the things that we stress a lot to adults, I say training adults is so different than training a child because adult is very literal. Right. And you can't be that literal because a horse isn't that literal. You know, I will say, you need to lift your hand, and I will have three inches, four inches. What do you mean? How? T- it is learning to listen to your horse. It's learning not just to say, this is what I have to do. I put my hand right there, my leg here, and do this, and it happens. Well, what if it doesn't? Now what? It's learning to read that horse and feel that horse and adjust. Yes, you're given... You're supposed to use your leg, put your hand here, and sit like this. Now, start listening to what's happening. Start adjusting what you need to do. You're not born with feel on a horse. It's that learning to read that horse and say, 
you know, every time I, I lead with this leg, this horse is doing that, and I'm pulling that. What am I doing wrong? Well, try this a little bit. Try this a little bit. Start to feel what's happening. As you move that hand, that's so when you start that turn, if I told you to move your hand six inches, well, if you started and at two, it started to turn, why would you go ahead and go four more? Right, right. You know, and that's that part of not being so literal. We as adults want the answer. We want it in black and white. And we want it to work. You told me to go six. I'm yep. going and six. And that's what I'm doing. <laughs> and so it's it's learning to adjust, learning to feel. I, 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 I don't like that terminology that they use about, you know, learning to become one with your horse. Right. Because they don't really care. They, they want you to listen and just, just let's get along. They're looking for the release, <laughs> the yes, pressure. Yes, that's all please, they want. Can we just get along? <laughs> and it's a respect issue. Biggest thing is just learning that feeling of knowing when it was happening and adjusting as you go and being able to change yourself on the fly. Okay, it was happening. Why is my leg still on the horse? Oh, wait, like take the leg out. We're already there. Right. It's that learning to be, I always say it's like a waltz. It's learning to dance with your partner. You know what I mean? They may not be a great dancer, and you may not be a great dancer, but if you get to learn your partner's step and how much they need to be led or how much you need to be led, you know, it kind of starts to play out once you know how the steps are going to work and how fast they move and what... So it is a dance. We're not all great dancers. Right. But if we learn that we have a partner that we can trust, we start looking pretty good out there. Yeah. Maybe we do look like dancers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. So yeah. it's, it is. I, I would say that's the biggest deal is that, is that learning to feel. I see a lot of correlations between horsemanship and dance. And oh, a ton. Yeah, just a ton. Because you, you're, you're controlling your partner by the movements of your bo- the leader's body. So. Well, but not necessarily controlling. Right, exactly, yeah. Being a part of what's yeah. happening. Because there's times when you're out there showing that you're like, I asked him to do this, I felt this coming around. You know, I could either blow this up or I could ride through this by this because I could feel it happening. It's that feeling, we could either fall down right here right, or I could shorten my step a little bit and let this horse lead just a touch here and I'll negotiate. I always say we negotiate just a little bit here and take it back. We'll discuss it outside. But while we're in here right now, let's negotiate as long as we're able to communicate through it. Let's right. go ahead and negotiate this. And it is a negotiation. I mean, they don't they didn't wake up yesterday and want to be ridden. Right. Yeah, okay, throw that on, cinch it down and grab your spurs. Let's go. Yeah. Right. You know, they they didn't wake up. So well, you got a happy horse, you're doing your job right. You got a horse that will do its job willingly. Mm, you're doing your job right because they may not like to dance, but yeah, they're starting to learn to like to dance. That's kind of nice, yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, that's an accomplishment. Like I say, I the horse training thing, it is such a neat thing. It is. Don't get me wrong. I love teaching horses, but to watch a person learn to negotiate that minefield and get through stuff with these horses is so much. You know, it, it's just so neat to watch. Right. And I think right. that's why I like judging, too. I like judging a lot because I get, I, I go up here to this one, uh, the, I judge the ranch horse up there for them, but they also set me up, like, during the three days, I get to, like, do two or three clinics. Oh, very cool. And so it's really neat because I'll get to clinic these people and explain to them what I'm judging, what I'm looking for, what the points are, you know, where you get the pluses, where you get the minuses. And they're like, oh, we didn't know that. Oh, my gosh. You know, and then. So when I go out there and judge it, they're like, oh, I did that. You know, I mean, they already know. And it's a lot more gratifying to me, you know, the teaching part of it. I've learned so much from going to judges' clinics. Because, oh. you know, you know, and even if that's not the judge that's going to judge you at the next show, 
you still, it brings an awareness to what you're doing so out much. in the show ring. So, so much. What do you do to help improve your horsemanship? Uh, you know, do you go to clinics? I mean, you have to go to. Do you go? Oh, to I, 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 I call it. I call it. I sit out behind the bleachers and watch. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, I can remember as a kid, as a horse trainer, how much time I spent at one o'clock in the morning. You know, I don't even go out and watch the trainers ride. Right. There's not a moment that I'm on horseback at a horse show, that I'm not watching what this one's doing or watching what that one's doing or listening to how they explain what was happening. And we do. We, I go ride with a lot of people. I mean, I go up to Tracer's. Um, we've gone to Andrea's clinics. I, over my lifetime, I can't even tell you, but I mean, I went to George Morris Clinic. Oh, yeah, that was quite exciting. I bet. Oh, yeah. He's a very, very, very smart man. He's very scary. Uh, he is scary. <laughs> I worked with him at uh, Pomona Equine Affair. And oh. he was He's amazing, but <laughs> I'm like, oh, I don't know. I said that that was that was an adventure. I said I like a lot of his uh, get up, get on, or go to the hospital. On or the hospital, that's your choices. <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, okay, <laughs> you know, I, I got to appreciate him, but I, I don't, I, I don't know that he's done it a long time. Yeah, you know what I mean? Right, so I'm right. like, eh. I think I learn more teaching from other people, how they teach, uh-huh. and what they're. I, the isms, I always say there's, right. there's, they've all got an ism, how they approach their writers. What is it that pulled that writer? What did they say last? Is it sarcasm? Is it funny? Is there, you know what I mean? And so it's like to hear little things, Doug Williams and I, I love Doug because he's got little things that he says, you know, and it's like just small things. Like he was the first person that ever said to me about counting your stop. And I'm like, counting it. Cause I mean, I did jumpers. So, so of course you count your strides to jump. Right. Never thought of counting my strides to a stop down down whoa oh wow that was just so much easier and it's something that I probably did anyways but to verbalize it and break it down and actually say that's what it is and when I teach it to somebody that's what we're doing I didn't know that's what we're doing you can sit around and pick up from anybody you don't have to even go to I mean you can listen to them schooling their writers and it's like watch them school their horses and you're like it's so amazing as old as I am there's not a day goes by when I go someplace that I don't pick up something else. You know, even if it's a change of horseshoeing. Right. They're using a different product on their legs. They picked up a new bit that I had never seen. Who's making those? You know, I mean, we're all the same way. We're all hungry. You know, Look where'd you get that? Else. Where'd yeah. you get that one? You know, so my kid, I, I drive him crazy. But as he's gone, he's been with Sam Smith. He went on. He was at North Central College uh, and he's at Tracer's. I pick his brain. So, what'd you do? You know, what do you do? Yeah, I want to know it all. Yeah, you know, you're up there in the middle of that. I remember those days. I don't get to do it anymore. So, I want to know. So, what are you guys using here? What are you using there? What saddle pads are we using? You know, I mean, we're hungry for information all the time. Yeah. There's always something new to learn. I think that's the that's a common thread among the really good horse people is that they're always learning from somebody. Well, any industry, and even if you learn what's doesn't work exactly how much time does that save you right oh yeah that was a bad idea no matter who you go to there's certain things that they'll do that i'm like "Mm, i don't like their subtly changing because i learned it from another industry and i like this but oh my god the way they turn around and how they're sitting is different than what we i'm gonna try that on this horse most trainers i think have a a definite style and a way they train their horse and they want that horse to fit in that box because I've been exposed with such a variety of quality and everything with my horses, I really adjust my training to that animal. 
Mm. You've got to find limitations sometimes, and you say, yeah, it could, it could turn faster, or maybe not. If we turn this horse any faster and keep hammering on him, he may give up on us and say, I don't even want to do this job anymore because I'm getting defeated now. I'm done. And then you're not going to get any turn out. Yeah, so right. you have to be savvy enough and willing to say, you know, we can beat him up if that's what you think is going to happen. But I'm just telling you right now, he's not going to give us any more than he's capable of giving us. If you told me that tomorrow I had to go run a marathon, not only would I be in the hospital, <laughs> but I'm just saying I would tell you uh, – I'm not going to do it. Not it's in my a, wheelhouse. Yeah. I mean, I don't care what you're paying or what, you know, the carrot on the string is. I'm not capable at this point. And so you've got to be able to look at stuff and adjust. And I I would say I'm a lot more willing to adjust per horse. I like some horses that will turn around on a loose rein, some that right right in the bridle. And a lot of trainers will tell you, no, they have to turn this way. They have to turn this way. This is why I want them to turn. If they don't turn that way, they're not good enough. Well, I'm sorry, if that's what this guy brought me and that's all he can afford and they've spent all their money and this is the horse they have, let's make it the best it can be and find a place for it to go show where it fits. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And if you told me, look, I bought this horse him, and it's this and I want to go and I want to show it the world show on this horse, can I? And I'd tell you, um, you can do anything you want to do. But I would tell you if it's not a horse that would compete. Yeah. I would say... You know, this horse is not going to give you what you want. You can go. If that's the experience you want to have and you want to be the best, I'd be on board and help you out. But I would tell you, in all honesty, where you're at. I would also tell you, if it were me, let's spend that money and aim this horse at this level. Let's go here. Right. If that's the horse you're determined you're going to have. As we kind of wind this thing down, that's kind of been the challenge, a thread through a lot of the people that I've interviewed, is that you've been around... A thousand horses. Oh, yeah. I've been around four, you know, <laughs> right. and I'm per- perfectly happy with that. I mean, I didn't get in this to go through a lot of right. horses. I, I like my you horses. You want a life partner? Yeah. yeah, I've got a horse, and I want to. I start wanted to start doing things with it. Now, it's not the best bred horse. It's not the best brained horse, but it's the one horse that I have. It's the horse you have. How do I maximize that relationship and gain as much horsemanship knowledge? Just having that one horse, because uh, a lot of the recreational riders today, they have the horse they have. Right, you know? exactly, and that's the way I always feel like. If this is what you have, mm-hmm. and you're telling me, Sammy, this is the horse I'm going to show. Tell me how I can be the best. Right. What can I fix on this? Well, one of the terminologies I use all the time is broke is broke is broke. Right. I don't care how he moves. I don't care about any of that other stuff. He is what he is. Make him the brokest animal you can make him. When you ask him to lope off, he should always lope off. When you ask for a lead, it should be the lead you want. You know what I'm saying? It's the small things. It's the broke is broke. Any animal can be broke. You know what I'm saying? Now, whether they're the best movers, whether that's irrelevant. That's right. not what I'm getting at. What I'm getting at is the process with you as a horseman and the animal that you have. I mean, believe me, I made this a living. I rode what I had when right. I had to. You know what I'm saying? And so... You have to get in that horse's head, but you have to say there's no excuse for me not to be able to make transitions on this horse. Right. I should be able to guide this horse. I should be able to pick up my leads. I should be able to stop it and back it. There's nothing that you should, you are asked to do, per se, in a ranch horse class mm-hmm. that you shouldn't be able to do. I mean, and that's, to me, the biggest thing. I mean, I'm transitions. You should be able to make transitions. If you're not making them, there's a problem. Right. You're in that horse's way. You're not telling him the same way every time. 
there are re- it's a redundancy. Horses are taught by repetition. And you don't repetition. have to have that $60,000 no. horse to, to learn that. No, That's not at point. all. I mean, yeah. you did you drive a, a Ferrari when you learned to drive a car? No. No, you drove one that had a gas pedal and a brake. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's the same difference. They all went down the road with a steering wheel and you go on. Right. And it, you're actually a better horseman when you learn on something that's less. For one thing, you're not challenged at the fact of, oh, I got this $60,000 horse. I'm going to mess it up. I'm going to mess it up. You know, this one was free. I don't know. What can I do wrong? I'm going to have a great time. That's right. But consistency is huge. It's the biggest deal. Just be consistent in your training. You can teach a horse to do anything if you tell them, I'm going to ask you this way every single time, and this is the result I want. Bob loves dog. they They will do it. However you want it done. And that's a hard thing to learn. When you're first learning something, the, the natural tendency is to go, oh, this isn't working. Let me try, try it this Try something way. new. Let and me try something new. that's the wrong yeah, thing Yeah, it's the do. wrong thing to do. Consistency is huge. I tell all my writers all the time, I, uh, George Morris, you're training or you're untraining. That is the only two choices. No matter what, when you're leading them, yeah. when you're saddling them, when you're warming them up, everything you do. Every interaction. Every interaction, training or untraining. At all times, it's your choice. And so that's, yeah, I always say, you practice that. you got to be consistent. Well, this has been great fun, Sammy. I appreciate you taking time out fun. of your day. Yeah. Sorry about the chickens. Oh, no, this is fun. It's <laughs> raining outside. We got, uh, we got horses nickering in the back. <laughs> if people want to find uh, more about uh, Diamond Crest Enterprises, where shall we send them? Facebook. It's probably the biggest. I, I do all my scheduling and stuff, and we always put up pictures of everybody riding and showing. I, it's pretty my pretty much where I put everything up business-wise. Well, cool. Very cool. And they can contact you through that if they yep. want, if they yep. have, anybody wants yep. personal lessons. Or Sammy or, Hernandez. Okay. Yeah. That sounds there. good. I'll Just put fun. all those in the show notes. Okay. Sounds great. Thanks for joining Thank us. you. That will do it for this episode. Thanks to Sammy Hernandez and the folks at Diamond Crest Stables for having me out. I enjoyed this conversation and hope you did too. I'll have links and photos for Diamond Crest Stables at wopodcast.com. As we enter our 11th year of podcasting, I just want to say thanks for coming along for the ride. We've got great plans for 2022. If you'd like to share a story or experience about your horse or suggest a guest, let's hear it. Send an email to john at wopodcast.com and connect with me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under the name Podcast. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening and sharing the podcast with your friends and writing buddies. Until next time, for Renee, this is John Harris saying, go have some fun with your horses. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye.